0: So welcome to another edition of Beyond Infinity. John Young and Piers Cunningham recording from lockdown in Victoria. We're hoping that eventually we'll get back to the studio one day. G'day, John, and good to hear your voice today. Yeah, good to speak to you, Piers. Look, we've got an interesting subject to talk about, and that is... The reports that have been surfacing in recent times in the Australian Financial Review and elsewhere, and this is about the Shenzhen Zenwa Data Company and what's known as the Overseas Key Information Database and some of the concerns that have been brought to air about this enormous amount of data that's being hoovered up from around the world uh, and what the implications are and, and actually how it ties into other stuff we've talked about Previously on beyondinfinity.com.au, where we've talked about the likes of Cambridge Analytica and uh, Palantir and some of these companies that uh, that are also in this space of of big data analysis, data mining, and really how the, the role of social media in that, because there's so much, so many reams and reams of data that's that's up on social media, whether it's LinkedIn, Facebook, Google, Twitter, uh, and other other services out there. Reddit is another one that we use, Pinterest is another one. All these things have got so much information and, you know, the, the big ones like Facebook and stuff, lots of personal information. And if you're a, uh, an organisation that, that uh, has a client, for example, like the Chinese government, that is interested in influencing people overseas and spreading its uh, its influence around the world, whether it's through business or it's the Belt and Road uh, Trade Project, or just in gaining uh, insights to military intelligence and capabilities... Then social media and, and putting the joining the dots and uh, feeding that into uh, you know big data databases, is is a, is a very useful source. It remains a very useful source of um, of information, and that's really what's being suggested about the Shenzhen Zenwa data company.
1: I don't think it's a surprise though, is it? Like we, we we have talked about this you know many times in the show over the years mm. about not you know not just China taking data but all countries. Uh, somehow capturing data and storing it. It just happens to be that this particular uh, data leak has been exposed and Australians are on that particular list.
0: Yeah, that's right.
1: And it does have some
0: similarities because back in you know the days of Snowden and, and him uh, releasing all that data about the capabilities of uh, the NSA and, and, and uh, mass surveillance emanating from America, it was kind of, you're right, it was a similar story. And uh, you know, if listeners want to catch up on what that was all about, there's plenty of stuff about Snowden on our website beyondinfinity.com.au. You can do a search and uh, and find stuff that we were reporting back when that story was break breaking, which was I think it was about mm. five years ago, there, thereabouts. Easily, yeah. And, and he yeah. and Snowden was forced to go into hiding in in uh, Russia. In the end, he went kind of via Hong Kong to Russia, where he remains, I believe. And uh, you know, I think that the Americans would love to get their hands on him. He was a former former employee, a contractor to the CIA. I think I think he was based in Hawaii. Anyway, he managed to slip out of of that of, of a facility there with some some USB sticks in his pocket, and the rest is history so it, it does have similarities i guess the difference is from an australian point of view and from the, the west point of view despite things changing a lot in the last five years uh, politically and uh, in america with the uh, the trump presidency from the west's point of view it's i suppose this is in a way of more concern because it's china that we're talking about rather than supposedly an ally in the form of uh, of uh, the nsa and and america's intelligence gathering capabilities um mm. The story of, of where it leaked from and stuff is very intriguing. As was well the story of Snowden and how that all happened. In fact, there's a movie I think that's been made about it called Snowden, uh, which kind of you know fictionalizes you know how he got the data out of out of the facility in in Hawaii. But not too much is known at this stage exactly about how this database found its way into the hands of a guy by the name of Robert Potter. Kind of a pretty smart, switched on guy, very savvy cybersecurity expert who has an Australian company called Internet 2.0. And that company provides services to different governments around the world, including the Australian and American governments, uh, and an American independent US researcher, Chris Balding. Now, they provided an incomplete copy of the underlying database that feeds into the OKDB, which stands for... The Overseas Key Information Database, which is this uh, list of foreign political, military and business figures like people, uh, countries infrastructure and military deployments and public opinion analysis and using social media and other sources, LinkedIn, media, news reports, the works, whatever they can get their hands on. But a a lot of it, of that, okay, IDB, I should say, the Overseas Key Information Database is, is basically skimmed from publicly available information but as we know with big data you know depending on what you can do with it you know your your sort of back end capability of matching things up of using ai of mining that data and and um, harvesting useful military intelligence and and political intelligence from it that's the key you know so so anyone can kind of get a lot of there's a lot of public data there there through social media in particular but actually harnessing it and, and uh, making it useful is is the specialist skill which it suggests. Which
1: which is, which is what Cambridge Analytica was focusing on years ago with the campaigns for the US because they took the profiles of social media followers, you know, Twitter and Facebook, and they, uh, they learnt about their types of leanings and it was more for those that are on the edge or maybe some extremist views and were able to then put those... Those messages which amped up their feelings or the rhetoric in front of their face through targeted. Uh, advertising, which then got them to share it and therefore uh, spread that message with ease. So we don't know if that's exactly what's happening here, but that's where the opportunity lies as yes. well with political interference, um, you know, overthrowing governments or swaying public opinion. Uh, but there's also probably a lot more nefarious type activities going on in the background as well to maybe, uh, you know, whether it be sell you something or steal something from you like identity, etc. there is so much that, that could be potentially going on here.
0: Yeah we don't know for sure exactly how this is being used so this was leaked this this incomplete copy of the underlying database that feeds into OKIDB. about 10 um uh, was released by potter and balding to several news organizations around the world including the washington post and the australian financial review which is where that that story one of the big front page stories appeared The company has been accused of spreading disinformation and promoting conflict. Well, part of what they do is to make those linkages between people and work out how social networks actually are interwoven, which can be useful useful to know. Social media, as I said, is a very important tool. An example that's given, America has these incredibly amazing and massive aircraft carrier groups that project America's naval, military presence and power around the world. And the social posts... That emanate from them, from their crew, because they have you know up to five thousand people on those. They're like little floating cities with supermarkets and cinemas and all sorts of stuff. Not just uh, you know not just guns and missiles and the like and aircraft. Part of the, the activities of this Shenzhen Zenwa Data Company is to actually monitor those social posts and, and and put them together and say, okay, well this is what's emanating from that particular carrier group that's in that location. That combined with other data um, can be useful to to China to China's Mm, military, mm. and one of the key customers of the OKIDB is apparently the Chinese military.
1: Mm. It it is interesting to note that from what I have read and seen of, of this information that's being reported is that a lot of this was just publicly available information. So it was across social media channels, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, uh, TikTok accounts, um, but also then collated between other maybe, you know, other news stories that may have been online with those particular people. And it gathered information which is along the lines of, you know, addresses, birth, whether you're married or not, um, any photo uh, photographs that might be online of you, social media IDs that go along with each of the channels that you use. And- and any political persuasions that you um, or associations that, that you that you may voice publicly or so i don't know what is necessarily taken from a private sense i don't see this necessarily as uh, this has been hacked information from an encrypted source or private comments it's all information that in general from what I can see, is mostly public information available online at this point.
0: Is that is that right? In what I'm reading? Yeah, that's look that's that's true, and that's some some um, analysts have questioned the usefulness of you know whether this is really such a threat, um, given it's made up primarily of information scraped from publicly available documents. So as you mentioned, the likes of LinkedIn, Factiva, LexisNexis, and then obviously all the, all the different social media um, outfits that are there too. I guess the the concern is that combined and harnessed into big data, um, it could represent a powerful tool. And I think it's what's emerging is that the Chinese have got a lot a lot of capability with managing big data, with artificial intelligence. We know that from the way that they manage their social credit system and how they the mass surveillance that goes on within the bounds of of um, you know Chinese mainland. It's that same kind of capability extending offshore. And you know we know that. The new laws that apply to to citizens of Hong Kong and 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 they relate to political dissent and and comments and disputes about the, the activities of the Chinese government, the CCP. Those new laws that China's got, they actually apply to Chinese people all around the world. Uh, in fact, well, they in fact, actually apply, fact to they, they apply to f- anybody that goes. Yeah, so yeah, so I mean, we could we could theoretically be be breaking a, a law that that uh, China's sort of seeking to apply. Now, obviously. You know, most people would say, well, if you're not in China, you know, you're subject to the laws of, of the land you're in, not not the laws of a, of, a, of a foreign country. But that's not really the way that China sees this. So it's, it's kind of, I suppose this is really part of a picture that is emerging of China, which does disturb people and it disturbs liberal values, liberal democratic values. I mean, another example, which I thought was really quite disturbing, Australia had very bad bad bushfires last summer. Which like we did have, really, yes. Really yeah. terrible. I mean, the, the worst on record. It was the whole sort of southeast corner of the country was ablaze. The satellite photos revealed these, these massive billowing uh, amounts of, uh, of cloud and, and, and soot and ash where these fires were. And they burnt for months and months, did a lot of damage, a lot of property damage and a lot of lives lost. The suggestion on, social, on some social media was that they may have been the result of arson. And that then had the effect of actually causing dissent and disruption when it was more likely, the bulk of the fires were, in fact, the result of, of severe drought, which we know was the case in the areas affected, and also climate change, which we know we know is the case. I mean, there are people who dispute that that, that but the majority of scientists, that the consensus among among experts is that climate change is very real. You know, you just have to look at what's happening in the Arctic, the melting, and the you know the forty degree temperatures and stuff that are unheard of, the changes in Siberia and the permafrost and the tundra and stuff that's releasing a lot of methane elsewhere in the world. The the world is Heating up, and yet to suggest that 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 the fires here, you know, were deliberately lit. Well, that sows dissent and that sows suspicion, and there can be an agenda that's that's driving that. There is definitely concern that Australians are being targeted. Deliberately in this, this, I just
1: I just want to go back to one point because I wanted to quickly add in sure. that it was discovered that with the um, just just to clarify for the listeners, there was no increased activity with arson. In fact, it was discovered that there was I think um, I think a recent report showed that there was less uh, or no more than any previous. Uh, fire that we've had in terms of the amount of arson that created that fire it was more likely that it was i think uh, whether it be lightning strike um, or some other natural type uh, cause which started the fires and then they burned so much just due to the the, the dryness the heat you know climate change factors that it amplified the in the right environment for fires so th- that's i guess in terms of the divisions that happen there is because one one picture could be pointing towards well it's the arsonists that have caused it and then everybody else saying well hang on no let, let's look at the data and the science and the data and the science has shown that no it wasn't the arsonist so just wanted to make sure listeners were clear on that because we don't want to sow divide in that area and and this goes to your point exactly where you're talking about sowing divide through social media and online and what messages can be tweaked and who can you target to make sure that it amplifies the opposing point of view, or a negative, or, a, or 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 one that suits your own agenda, if you're utilising that information.
0: Absolutely, and and these revelations have come with it when you know there's a background of increasing suspicion and wariness, uh, but, you know, between Australia and, and China. There's there's diplomatic disputes that seem to be becoming more and more commonplace. Uh, you know, the, the relationship is not in, in great shape, considering China is Australia's biggest trading partner. You know, we rely on China for a lot of our trade, and that remains in place. There's been some bans on Bali and some interruptions to certain areas of commerce, but, you know, they're a close trading partner, and yet there is this uh, political fallout and, and um, diplomatic fallout that's going on at the moment. Australia's Foreign Minister, Maurice Payne, said recently that there's a, there, there is what she called an infodemic, whereby quote, disinformation contributes to a climate of fear and division, when at a time like this, what we need is cooperation and understanding. Deliberately damaging disinformation is is what we're talking about. And also targeting companies, for example, in Australia, there's been suggestions that uh, companies that are working on candidate vaccines for COVID-19 um, are being targeted by overseas actors, including China, to try to steal that information to, uh, to give them a, a head start in Getting that you know that elusive vaccine, and obviously there are, there are big stakes involved in in that particular pursuit of a vaccine. You know, whichever country gets it first is is going to be in a powerful position. Obviously, there's a, there's economic value. There's there's huge money to be made being the company that that you know cracks a successful and and long lasting vaccine. But you know, there's lots of question marks that remain about that. And we, let's face it, we're probably going to be waiting for quite a while before we we actually do get a vaccine that works. Um, mm. So so that's another area of tension that's out there around the world not just the Chinese, I think I think. in security services from all countries are uh, looking around at, at what, what's happening elsewhere in the world. Just some examples of, of individuals that have been focused on. So what's been revealed of this OKIDB database is that prominent business people and uh, political people have been targeted through this. David Ma is the MD of Kepler Analytics. He's on the list of people who've been focused on uh, Brandon Munro, CEO of Bannerman Resources, co-chairs uh, the World Nuclear Association Group, which forecasts uranium demand to 2040. Well, that's obviously of strategic military interest to uh, the Chinese government because uranium is is uh, potentially used for nuclear weapons, and obviously is a, a, a valuable source of of, uh, of energy. Entrepreneur and co-founder of blockchain energy trading platform Power Ledger, guy by the name of Gov Van Eyck is targeted, is on this short list of prominent Australians. Uh, and there are plenty of people overseas also who are being watched closely, have been revealed to be of interest to this database. Raiden Gates, former commander of the Royal Australian Navy, a uh, former boss of Lockheed Martin in Australia. Jennifer Westacott, the database notes her comments that we have to stand up to get up but we won't be political. So that's that's actually delving into Australia's politics and the GetUp Group, which is a, kind of an anti-conservative lobby group within Australia. Scott Morrison's on there. There's 20 pages of notes apparently on his election victory, uh, his new cabinet, and talking with Donald Trump about space. And apparently, outer space and the and the um, the militarisation of space is is a big interest, um, as revealed through this database. Andrew Hasty chairs the Parliamentary Joint Standing Committee on Intelligence and Security. His wife, son, and father are listed in this database. David Gonski, noted by the database as one of Australia's most prominent business leaders, his wife, children, and siblings are all listed. And Mike Cannon Brooks, the co-founder of Atlassian, a software billionaire living in Sydney there's an extensive profile on his family, including his four children, wife, Anne, and her parents who apparently reside in America. So there's lots of detailed information about people uh, in this database. And there are concerns um, about, you know, exactly what this can be used for.
1: We have, I mean, as you mentioned and spoke about before, about the rising tensions with Australia, China. I mean, we recently saw um, two uh, Australian reporters, um, the ABC's Bill Bertels and the Australian Financial Review's Mike Smith, they uh, fled China because of, I guess, you know, rising tensions. And they, I think, they had a midnight knock on the door saying that you are, you know, we need to speak to you. You, you know, you can't do anything. You can't leave. They then had uh, diplomatic immunity through uh you know staying in the consulate and then they were you know, negotiated to to leave the country now you know that's an, an environment where somebody is in china but that's china putting direct pressure um, on these people and you know probably to, to try and leverage maybe whether it be uh the, the local media um or uh, in addition to that the, you know politics but it's what else can happen um around that with people that are not in China or traveling through Hong Kong or or any sort of china owned territory but, you know what happens online what, what kind of surreptitious activity is potentially uh, happening uh, has happened or potentially could happen um, you know through some sort of online channel or persuasive effort to um, maybe to negate something that somebody has done if someone if one of these people that you've just listed out there came out with a strong public opinion, would China potentially go out and uh, expose certain information about that individual to people that have a different point of view and get them, you know, much like the Cambridge Analytica type thing. So this is, you know, it's on steroids, this Cambridge Analytica type uh, method that China has probably noticed, seen and thought, well, we can do that. That's pretty easy. We can just gather this information, collate it and then see, um, you know, when it's appropriate, we can can target these people and utilise this information.
0: The database has also got a lot of information about uh, import-export between Australia and China. So it's not just tracking people, it's also tracking the movement of goods, which might be of interest to China's intelligence
1: services. And they can use that as leverage because if they they see that... If it, it, it you know a particular trade deal is not working for them, mm. well, why not try to leverage that deal, expose as they may call it, um, but you know utilize uh, I mean, it might be corporate espionage, and essentially in, a, in in a way to to try and leverage that for a better deal or more security. Essentially, bend us over because we've got no recourse. You know we need China. China needs us.
0: Some more examples of what's been revealed in this database from Shenzhen Zenwa data. It's called the Overseas Key Information Database. It's only been partially revealed, but um, apparently also shows Zenwa spied on the CSIRO's transformational bioinformatics team, which is researching artificial intelligence and uh, genomics in medicine. An AI researcher at Australian National University has also been profiled by the Chinese firm and Zenwar has also documented the CSIRO's work in the search for missing Malaysian Airlines flight MH370 and exploration of Mars. It's sort of a very holistic view of the world that that China is <clears> looking for and and seems to be gathering. But as we said earlier, you know, it is about how how well and how successfully and how effective they are at combining that data and making it usable and and being able to deliver products from it. But we do know that. That's possible. We know, we know that China is, is pretty advanced as far as using artificial intelligence is concerned and mining big data. So I think there are some legitimate concerns here. Obviously, it, it does come at a time of, of heightened security fears about, about China's projecting its, uh, its influence around the world, its, its military activities in the South China Sea, and, and also its peddling of influence. Within Australia, there's there's been Chinese diplomats accused of spying, journalists accused of acting for China's interests here. You mentioned the two Australians who were expelled journalists from China recently, who left under threat of being detained if they remained in China. There's suspicion about, about influence even influence, not just extending into business, but but into uh, universities and even government. There are concerns about China's influence within the New South Wales Labor Party. It's kind of a story that's that's continuing on, but this particular database that was released from the Shenzhen Zenhua data, uh, the OKIDB, is uh, the latest, probably won't be the last thing that we, we hear that uh, China's up to, and certainly is something that's exercising the minds of intelligence chiefs around the world, not just in Australia. Thanks for listening.
1: We'd love you to review us on iTunes. It's a great way to let others know if you've liked our podcast. And don't forget to follow us on social media, Beyond Infinity RPP on Facebook or Infinity RPP on Twitter.